1: Welcome back again to the Thunderdome of the Star Trek. No, I'm just kidding. This is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network, episode 114. Uh, I am joined by a spectacular uh, cadre of awesome guests today because we're going to take on kind of a fun topic in the first season because we are out of new content so we're gonna have to get a little creative do some different stuff but i am joined as always uh by my regular awesome super duper co-hosts uh to my extreme upper left is mr aaron hemager of the uss rhapsody good morning aaron good morning and uh skipping over our guest star you know save the best for last we'll go to mr peter stein my chief engineer uh over on the gp peter good morning good morning and last but certainly not least, the trekker from the Windy City of Chicago, superstar of Screen Rant, that would be Miss Jen Watson. Jen, good morning.
2: Good morning.
1: Good to Thank see you. Good. And uh, last, uh, last, super last, but certainly maybe least, uh, that would be my <laughs> cohort of almost 30 years, uh, my number one dude over on the Secret Fence Unite Prime podcast, Mr. Todd Oxtra, joining us. Good morning, my friend. Hello, everyone
3: in the Trekking universe. It's good to be here.
1: a Trekkaroo. Well, we will get to why we have uh, this big cadre of folks in a moment here. But as always, I'd like to give some love and support to the good folks who are over on our Patreon, making it capable for Todd and myself and Peter and really uh, Jen and a lot of other people uh, to jump in and do some bonus content. I was just talking before Jen jumped on about how much fun we're having talking about Sequest over on the Facts of Geek Life and what a fun show that is. Todd and I talked about Sliders recently. That was a blast. Uh, Peter and I uh, have an ongoing series where we're talking about Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Todd's had a great interview show. Our partner, Mark, has uh, done some different programs as well. Todd and I do a great comics program here the other week called The Spinnerack. Um, jump over to patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite, get a free seven-day trial, sample our wares, and feel free to stick around uh, if you like what you hear. And in addition to that, these are the folks at our top tiers that really make everything possible on our friends with benefits level. We have Corey in HD, John Sedorf, the awesome Phoenix sisters cosplay and Mr. Brendan Myers, our BFF level. We have the awesome, Nias family of Sean, Stella and Henry and my dear friend, Missy Merchant. Thank you all for supporting us. And again, patreoncom slash secret friends unite. Seven-day trial. We would love to see you there. Okay. Well, we have some actual news this week before we get into the main event. We did get an announcement at... uh, It was an event in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. What's the name of that show? CCXP in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh, Sao Paulo, the original name of the Defiant. B, the Defiant B. Um, Little insider who the hell cares trivia from Deep Space Nine. Um, But we did get a... Month, but not a date, for the drop of the fifth and final season of Star Trek Discovery. So that is going to be in April of this year. So just four months down the road um, that we will be seeing that over there on Paramount Plus uh, in markets around the world. Since they, I think, have finally proliferated to the point where Paramount Plus is about the only place that you're going to see the show. I don't believe it's on Amazon or other places out there now so okay so i mean obviously anybody who loves star trek and and enjoys the show is excited that it's coming back it is the final season though so uh let's go reverse clockwise around the horn let's have uh some reactions and kind of some hopes uh for what we might see in season five we'll start with jen
2: oh um I don't know. I, I mean, I know that this was the, they did not know that this was going to be the final season when they wrote it right. and they had to go back and do some additional stuff. So I'm just hoping for some hopeful stories, something that is uh, coherent um, and something that might take us into the Starfleet Academy show that's supposed to come up with. I believe Tilly is going to be in that.
1: Right, yeah, and, and and being written by uh, by Tawny, uh, she's yes. on the, she's in the writers room of that show, which is pretty exciting. Yes. Uh, April and I were actually on the cruise back in February when that announcement happened, and Doug Jones was a guest and he did a panel that day. Uh, who said, "Yeah, I was, you know, I was on a Zoom call at seven o'clock this morning, and that's when they broke it to us." It's like, "Wow, that sucks," but you know, all things all things good or otherwise do come to an end, which is a truism in Star Trek. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hoping for a a satisfactory conclusion. You know, when you uh, think of the way other shows have wrapped up within star trek some have had great conclusions and again everybody has a separate opinion you know ds9 i thought had a great ending i was fond of voyager's ending nobody liked the end of enterprise because it didn't really end um so yeah so i'm hoping that with with time and with care um that they've really crafted something worthwhile so peter how about you hopes for discovery um
0: I do hope that they have something coherent. I do know that they had some reshoots, so they should be able to pull something off. Right, right. But as has been well documented, I'm not the biggest fan, so I, I just hope that they manage to, I hope they la- manage to land the plane, unlike some <laughs> other
1: shows. <laughs> right. Yes. Not crashing into the side of a planet. All right, Todd, the, the quasi outsider. What do you think about the end of Discovery? You're a big fan, as I recall.
3: Yeah, I I really love Discovery. Uh, It's one of those shows that I just feel like I I wasn't expecting to like it, but it just uh, I love the cast. I love what they've done and the fact that they've taken so many chances. And that's amazing for, you know, property that's as old as Star Trek to just say, hey, screw it, we're doing something new. And Mm -hmm. um, I I am curious now, I, I totally forgot about the Academy And I didn't realize it was actually going to be taking place in this new era, which is cool. That's awesome. Because I was wondering, like, I I think it's great to play in that era. Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. So an Academy series is something I think people have always wanted. Um, You know, I mean, younger... Cast can come in do some funny things. I'm assuming there'll be hijinks involved. There'll be a sorority. There'll be a dean <laughs> who shakes his fist. Oh, in trouble! You know, <laughs> I think I, I cannot you wait know, for that.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. What was that, Jen? I missed it.
2: Uh, maybe Boothby's still alive in the thirty seconds.
1: Oh, could he'll he just be ahead like on Futurama?
2: What Ray
1: Walston's Ray Walston's dead too, so I'll have to be like a stunt head.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I think the cool part is if that's going to happen, then I think it means that we will not see the a lot of these characters for the last time, which yeah, would be a lot possible. of fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: most stuff, most stuff. All right, Aaron, take us home.
4: Yeah, so I was a little late to the party when it comes to Discovery. Uh, it took me a while to kind of uh, uh, warm up to it and get into it, and I actually ended up really enjoying it. I feel it really found its voice later in the series, and my hopes for Agreed. going forward with this uh, next season is I, I now that we've crossed this threshold to where the galaxy is kind of open in a lot of ways, specifically to the Discovery, because they have the ability to cross the galactic barrier, I'd love to see more exploration of... Um, cosmic life outside of the galaxy we know a little bit all right you know, i'd well, like uh, to they'll,
1: see <laughs> they'll run into all the star wars people that's what they'll do oh yeah there you
4: go yeah <laughs> that'd be interesting um you know i'd like to see more development on the 10 and how relationships oh, yeah. with them are going because right. i thought I thought they were a really unique and interesting species, and and I'd like, I like. I hope it's not just a one and done. Where it's like, well, we've made contact. Okay, on to other things. I, I'd like to see more development on
1: that. You mean like like the end of Picard season two, where like, oh, we're pals with the Borg now, do 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 do, and then yeah. it's just like, nope. That, that's, <laughs> that's driving me nuts because I still want to know who blew a hole in the galaxy. Come on, people, there's a hole in your backyard. What's going on? Eh. The reapers. Re- yeah. yeah, the reapers. Yeah. <laughs> exact, Mundo. Well, cool. Well, as soon as we have a date for that, which I would imagine can't be too far off, and we do also know here's a little late breaking news. And April and I found out about this because uh, Jonathan Frakes had to cancel being on the cruise next year because mm-hmm. uh, in February, because Stranger Worlds is back in production. He's doing a directing stint at the time that he would uh, be on the ship on late February. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome to know that that's in production. Um, hopefully, I-, I get a feeling we will hopefully see that by the end of 2024 um here's to hoping but that was the summertime show we got that in june um so i'm hoping fall you know if they can really pick it up so i don't know i guess we'll we will find out but we will let you know when we know all right okay now we're moving into the main event so again i wanted to do something kind of special At the, you know, and I I got the idea this summer when I saw the season finale of Strange New World season two, we were introduced to a young Lieutenant Montgomery Scott. So we had a new actor whose name I probably should have in front of me, but I don't, um, cast as another one of our our TOS characters, bringing the tally uh, up to Captain Pike, less obviously the the, the one, you know, one beep for yes, two beeps for no kind of chair, but he's, you know, kind of technically a TOS character. We have a Spock. We have a Kirk, we have a Uhura, we have a Chapel. Now we have a Scotty. So I turned my thoughts to, and I think we watched that last episode because I got a screener. April and I were on the way back from Vegas, so we were we watched it in a hotel room in Arizona. Great place to watch it on my tiny little iPad. Um, But uh, yeah, no, it just really got me thinking. What would it be like? And I came up uh, with three, you know, the three other core characters, and it was Jen's idea to toss uh, one more in um, of what that the the residual casting like for that would look like so uh, we're talking about the characters obviously of Leonard Bones McCoy Hikaru Sulu Pavel Chekhov, and Janice Rand who was only really a character in the first quarter of the first season until she departed because they didn't want Captain Kirk to have a girlfriend whatever, or there
2: were other reasons. There
1: were other reasons.
2: I don't get into them right now. Yes, exactly. I
1: have a book. April bought me a book and that I about, that was her biography that I haven't read because I'm bad at reading things, but someday I will. Um, so I thought we would go and we're going to kind of, we're going to go the opposite of the direction that we went in the last segment that, uh, we'll just go round Robin. So, uh, the order will be, uh, as I said, it'll go Aaron, Todd, Peter, myself, and then Jen, and, uh, you'll offer up bone bones, then Sulu, then check off then ran. So, uh, we're going to go now with Aaron starting out with his pick for Leonard Bones McCoy. Go for okay. it.
4: All right. So, I first off, let me just say, my favorite character from the old series is McCoy. So, I really racked my brain over this. I had to I had to think of a think of an actor who who was relevant. I did this this really big deep dive into like how old was uh, DeForest Kelly when he had the role and how old was the character supposed to be and I played around with that. I ended up landing on my, my pick, one of my favorite actors, adorable, adorable man, absolutely love this guy, Mr. Misha Migos himself, Misha Collins from Ooh. Supernatural fame.
1: Yep. Wow. Love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Like I said, yeah, no need to justify,
3: but feel free. Oh, I believe yeah, I, he's unemployed.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's, now, he's got some time after uh, uh, Gotham didn't do so well. He, he you know, He's just a little bit older than DeForest Kelly was when he first did the role. And um, I feel like he's in that right age range. And I think he'd play off uh, 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 Spock and Kirk really well. He, he's really good at uh, uh, bouncing off of
1: two leading characters from Supernatural and everything. And I think he could bring a lot of great energy to that role. Totally awesome. Good choice. I love it. All right, well, let's move along to Todd, who's going to have something
3: that you're going to be like, what? <laughs> I just
1: have a feeling, but go
3: for it. Well, now that the Orville's wrapped up, Seth MacFarlane is free to be on the show that he always wanted to be. No, oh just kidding, God. just kidding. That was just oh, the one okay. I, was I I, I <laughs> joked Vince. about that one. But <laughs> I, I'm going in that same realm of more of a comedic actor trying to play around with a, you know a a concept of you know who he is and and what he could play, and that's Will Arnett. Um, I think he's got, can do the gravelly voice. He can do comedy. He he's, I I think he just loves doing those type of things. So I think he would be a fun addition to, uh, you know, strange new worlds. Love to hate him. I
1: love it. All right, Peter. Um, well, I didn't have a
0: whole lot of time to think about this. So I just pulled some people out. Um, I'm going to go with, he's a little on the older side, but McCoy was a little bit of an older character. Right. Uh, James Marsden.
1: Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Todd and I have, t- Todd and I met him a couple of times at shows. He's a, he's a pretty cool cat.
0: Yeah. I've seen him in a couple a fi- couple films, couple series. He does a good job. Uh, obviously the, the reason he stuck in my brain was cause he was in Westworld. Um, cause I was mm-hmm. looking for that Western connection
1: mm. uh, to help
0: with the, t- to be able to play that kind of character. Cause McCoy was generally the old country doctor sort of thing. Right. Um, right, right. So I think Marsden might be
1: able to pull that off.
3: Awesome, good deal. We're well, speaking jump- of James Marster, Charlie,
1: Spike. oh, James Mar—Who's James Marsden? He's Marston. the he's
0: Cyclops the
1: in X Men. Oh, or-, yes. or just as my when we were watching, it, when my son was literally just called him Scott very derisively, <laughs> <laughs> Scott. That <too. laughs> well, also, that
0: shows how how he's able to pull off that like right, like I'm sick of your shit attitude that McCoy often has. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Nailed it. Oh, my goodness. Cool. Yeah. Well, I like James Marchers as well. He'd be great on the show, too. too. Well, I'm going to bounce off of what Aaron had to say. I had a supernatural pick uh, of an actor that I've absolutely fallen in love with because moving from supernatural over to the boys, and that'd be Jensen Ackles. On uh, the boys, he's, he's very dry, acerbic wit, which obviously McCoy is known for. Think it would be a great foil to obviously very straight laced, a little less straight laced uh, portrayal of Spock with Ethan Peck because we saw, you know, some range in him in season two of Discovery. But, But I think he's relatable. He'd be very chummy um, to Paul Wesley's Kirk. So to me, I think he'd be good. And again, he's old. I don't know his age. He's a little younger than maybe Todd and I, but he's not young. Um, But the character is older, uh, uh, probably older than the other actors that are playing. So I think that that he would do well. All right. Jen.
2: So going with the idea that we have uh, Paul Wesley as Kirk. I'm going for a Vampire Diaries reunion and saying Ian Somerhalder.
1: Ooh. I know his work from Lost. Yes, yes. And Who was he in Lost? I'm gonna say. He was the brother. You know that there was a brother-sister? And the sister yeah. was uh, Maggie something. Well, I can't remember the extra Maggie name. Grace. Yeah, Maggie Grace. Gotcha. Well, nice, Ian Somerhalder. That'd be a cool one. Good deal. Awesome. Okay. Well, now we're going for one of the most other beloved Star Trek characters out there that would be the dude who flies the boat. Mr. Hikaru Sulu. Of course, who could ever replace George K, but uh, that is really what we're going for here uh, in a new lens. So Aaron, kick us off. Who's your Sulu?
4: Okay, so uh, this was another one that I struggled with because I, I adore Sulu. And he's, he's such a, a multi-layered character. You know, he's an athlete. He's a pilot. He's just absolutely a uh, brilliant character. But to me, when I think of Sulu, above all else, I think Family Man. You know, he, he had that whole arc with his, his uh, daughter and everything. And, and that was something he always strived for and, and talked about. So I wanted to pick an actor who uh, I was familiar with, with their work with uh, uh, Family. And um, so I've been watching uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters.
1: Oh yeah, same here. Yeah,
4: and there's this actor. He's a young uh, uh, Japanese. I believe he's a Japanese American actor. Uh, his name is Ren Watabe. And uh, I just based on you know his his uh, uh, acting with his family struggles and everything, I, I I thought he'd bring an interesting
1: dynamic to the character. Awesome boy, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have plucked that out of a hat. That's pretty cool.
3: All right, <laughs> Todd. You know, I'm going a little bit off script here. Um, there's a, there's Charlie script. knows this person. <laughs> Bowen Yang from SNL. <laughs> nice. Oh,
1: I mean, and again, I'm an SNL devotee. I, I've watched it practically my whole life
3: for good or for bad. And yeah, I, I he's fantastic. That's good. It's I, I mean, and you've got comedic ac- comedic actors who've been on, like, what's uh, Tig Notaro? You know, yeah, she's so a comedian who has done serious things. So I think Bowen Ying, he's done some film roles, but I think he would be great. And, you know, obviously SNL characters are always, or actors are always looking for, like, regular gigs. So I think he'd <laughs> going really not, well.
1: As long as you're not Kenan Thompson. <laughs> true,
3: true. <laughs> good brother, oh,
1: man. Good. 2
3: came out, Charlie, oh, come on. Oh, my
1: God, I've been seeing those spots. I'm just like. Yuck Oh my goodness Alright Peter
0: Um, Because I'm not so well into all of the Multiple different television actors I'm going with uh, Simu Leo uh, Guy from Shang-Chi uh, Main actor there
1: Quick spoiler Because um, we can do this together That was also my choice So let's talk about it together <laughs> I don't think they can afford them
3: <laughs> Of no, course yeah, not
1: but, yeah, yeah probably not said, Not after yeah. Barbie Yeah <laughs> Yeah, not after Barbie. But yeah, no, he's uh I think he's funny. I've seen an episode of King Kim's Convenience, which I didn't I, I it didn't really click with me, but I thought he was great, great in that. Um but uh yeah, you're right. He um if they decided to do Sulu as a ninja, which they did in the J.J. movie, you know, obviously that w- they would play right into his hand, but Todd makes a very good point. I don't think you're going to get that guy back to TV. Um, but then again, never say never, because look at all of the renowned uh, movie actors that find their way back on the television. I mean, he's been wrote. in television as of this year. So. Right right you
3: not know out it's of a, a not on the question and
1: actors in my experience like a little something called a paycheck and uh you tend to get that if you're on television yeah, who knows
3: when shang chi 2 is coming out at this point
1: yeah we have not heard a thing about it so that you know that's kind of that's funny that's the uh, I hope. hopefully not the first occurrence of of two of us having a like mind but it's funny that you and i were back to back so we could double team that one so that's cool good deal all right jen take us home who's your sulu uh
2: harry shum jr Mm-hmm. He was on Glee. He was Mike Chang on Glee. Um, he was in Shadowhunters, which I did not see, but I know he's in that. And he was the Rakakuni guy in um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Ooh. So he has a he is a, a dance background, I believe, and um, also plays some comedy as well.
1: So nice, good deal, cool. Okay, back up around to Aaron. Season two's addition to the bridge in TOS, uh, where Gene Roddenberry said, we need a guy doing a bad Russian accent because we want to be all glasnost and shit. That would be Pavel Chekhov with or without the Davy Jones wig that he was wearing in camp. his first episode. <laughs> um, but go for it.
4: Okay, This is another one I struggled with, and, and, and I have to confess, I have to cre- credit where it's due, I phoned a friend on this one. Uh, I contacted uh, my chief engineer of the Rhapsody, uh, Nick, to kind of uh, get some ideas, and he came up with a good one, and I was like, yes, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things.
3: Damn, cool. you got my too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, have, awesome. I have a, stra- awesome.
1: I have a stra- I have a Stranger Things actor for mine as well. Damn it!
4: Yeah, well, he, he had to be young because you know he's going to be in the Academy at this point, right? Um, and and I, I couldn't think of any young actors, so I needed help with that one. But that's that's what we came. He, of course, he plays Will. Uh, uh, for those of you not familiar in Stranger Things,
1: so. he's, he's got the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. Holy cow. We had a we had a power failure here in Grand Rapids. Damn it. So there's a little aberration. So um, I'm very lazy. and I don't like editing. So hopefully I get it right. Um, But uh, but anyway, uh, Aaron, you were talking about Pavel Chekhov. Yep. Yep, So let's let's do it.
4: Yeah, so my top pick for Pavel Chekhov, and again, credit where it's due, I, I phoned a friend on this one, uh, my chief of engineering from the USS Rhapsody, Nick Nick rimers helped me with this, uh, Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things. Oh, wow. Uh, well, yeah, uh, for those of you not familiar with the actor, uh, he played Will, the kid who gets lost in the first season. And uh, we, you know, figured he had to be a young actor and I wasn't too familiar with a lot of young actors. So that's why I did what I always do when I'm lost with a a, a pop acting issue. I called my buddy up and and we had a like an hour long discussion about it. And that's that's what we came up with.
1: It's the Google. Totally Mm -hmm. awesome. Good deal. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we're out of whack here. So hold on just one second. Whoops, weird little slip number two, um, but we're going to soldier on. Todd, talk to me about Pavel Chekhov.
3: Well, great minds think alike, so Aaron, Jinx, uh, I also picked Will. Uh, <laughs> Noah Shop, uh from Stranger Things. You know, the, the haircut goes a long way, and I do think he's got that sense of, like, calm demeanor, and uh, he's a pretty clever kid. I've seen his, like, videos he does and things like that. He does, like, music stuff. So I think he could bring a new uh, you know, a set of skills to this role versus uh, Stranger Things. So yeah. that's what i pick. Interesting. All right.
0: Peter? Well, um, again, I'm not too up on all the younger actors, so I went back. I went to a show that I've been watching and enjoying and I picked uh, Griffin Santo Pietro from Cobra Kai.
1: Um, he
0: plays uh, Danny LaRusso's son. Uh, interesting so if you've seen the most recent season he there was a there was an age age up i guess uh pretty sure it's the same actor just a growth spurt um but yeah
1: i think that he could probably pull it off a young Chekhov. so interesting very good um i picked i went into the stranger uh stranger things pool as well but i picked finn wolfhard uh who is also in the new ghostbusters franchise i like him I said he's goofy-looking, maybe a little too goofy-looking to match with Walter Canning, but I still like kind of his youthful foolishness because, again, Chekhov was always uh, renowned for his tall tales and somewhat of his bravura, bravura every so often. Uh, but he was just kind of a young dork, you know, just out of the Academy, uh, who, again, joined the cast in in Season 2 of TOS. Uh, and he wouldn't, obviously, we would not see him in Stranger Worlds due to his age because he's just, you know, he, the Stranger Worlds is... Currently, you know, six years, six or seven years prior to when we would meet Chekhov in the first place. So, uh, outside of the JJ timeline where you can be 13 and apparently be on a starship and flying it or whatever, but and then and then later be the chief engineer. I just, you know what? We don't need to go down the JJ rabbit hole. He was
2: 17, 17, sir.
1: In, oh, in the for in, that's why I get to be a little older in the second movie. That's okay. All right. So, Jen, please.
2: Okay. So, I asked for a little help with this one. I had a couple different people suggest some things. Um, my boyfriend, Scott, said, uh, go with Tom Holland. I said, you can't afford Tom Holland. So, uh, <laughs>
1: like I like Simi Lou. To Tom
2: Holland type, also from the MCU, and that is Matt Lintz. Uh, he Lince. played Kamala's best friend, Bruno, in... Gonzaga. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's
2: got that kind of, like, you know, goofy kid goofy, dorky kid kind of look. And I I think he'd do good at it.
1: Yeah. I agree. So good pick. All right. Okay. Let's move along to which one that might be a little more challenging, because this was, you know, a character that we had in the beginning, but then kind of trotted off for various reasons, which we won't get into. And that would be Janice Rand. That would be the, the, the lovely blonde yeoman that we had in the first part of season one. So, Aaron, take us away. So...
4: Um, my greatest familiar, familiarity with the character of Janice Rand was, uh, and you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember the name of the episode, but the one where there's a transporter accident and Kirk gets split into ah, evil Kirk the, and enemy, good
1: Kirk. the enemy within,
4: yeah, enemy within. Thank you. Yes, that one. I felt so bad for her in, in that episode, uh, uh, because she went through a lot of trauma in that, and I really wanted a character who, um, would bring, uh, strength to the role, you know, kind of maybe, maybe a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, uh she's she's a little bit of a villain in the shows she's in but i went with uh and forgive me if i mispronounced this name madeline Pesh from riverdale uh she Ooh. the redhead the the she's yeah. kind of a villainous character i thought she had a really good oh, face yeah. for Giannis.
1: Yeah, I, I can picture her yeah
4: yeah i thought she'd i thought she'd really bring some gravitas to the role so that's that's my pick for Giannis.
3: nice all right todd keep it rolling uh definitely going off script again. But I nah. think this would be a great foil for a lot of the characters, and that is Amy Schumer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, I'm such such a big fan. She oh my god, very, very raunch female comedian if you're not familiar, but oh my gosh. Wow. Mm-mm. Peter. Um I
0: decided to change it up a little bit and make uh, Rand younger, so that she's not in the same age range as the main cast, just to switch things up a little bit. Especially right, since like, she's a yeoman in the beginning, right? 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 right. Um, a typically young person, right? So I went with um, Peyton List, also from Cobra Kai. Also oh, yeah. From, uh, oh, I like her a lot. The uh, why can't I remember it? The ghost one with on the school um, school spirit. So, is- isn't school it just spirits.
1: called? Isn't it just called Ghost School?
0: School Spirits. <laughs> it's also on um, Paramount
3: Plus. Yeah. Oh. No, yep. Oh my.
0: So I cool. really enjoy her as an actress. She has a lot of multi layers going on, especially if you watch Cobra Kai with Tori. Um, so I think that you could make Janice Rand into a much more complex character that is hinted at in the show and in, in a lot of um, extracurricular stuff with the, with the fan. <laughs> Right. Um, right. Right. But I think that you could make this character a lot more interesting. And I think that Peyton could pull to, could, uh, could make that, make that happen.
3: You know I'm who like- she reminds me of? Eliza Dushku from Buffy oh. the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Kind of has that edge, cutting yeah. sense of humor.
1: Yeah. Nice. Good deal. Well, I went with, uh, Someone who's not, not not a stranger to the uh, greater Star Trek fandom uh, because of the movie that she started in, where she played a Star Trek. It would be Ellie Fanning uh, from Super oh. Eight, from Maleficent. Um, very striking. Uh, I think physical presence, uh, screen presence. I've I've loved things that I've seen her in, and yeah, I think much kind of like what Peter was saying, she could be more of a breakout character, get a chance to maybe do a bit more that Janice Rand uh, did um, in her short stint. So yeah, uh, would be really a, kind of a, a brand new take altogether. So um, yeah, all right, Jen, take us home.
2: So I also went uh, with The Riverdale, but I went with Lily Reinhardt.
1: Oh, I like Lily Reinhardt. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, what she brings to <laughs> Betty in Riverdale with that—it has that like layered. Um, that sort of uh, there's a, there's a trauma with her character also that is a familiar a familiar kind of feeling for her. Um, and I think that that would be—I think she'd do good. I think she's got the right look for it. Uh, we've seen her in Riverdale, and I think she'd be great for Rand.
1: Totally awesome. Good deal. Well, cool. Guys, guys, this was great. And again, my deepest apologies uh, for the technical glitches we've had, hopefully through the uh, mirror, of, uh, the, the the wonder of uh, patching and splicing. I might lean on Todd to help me a bit with that. We'll get it all put together. But to wrap the segment up, um, <laughs> put it in percentages. What do you think that there's a chance that they might actually move forward? rebooting the tos characters on television what do you i mean like i said they're already halfway there what do you think like aaron if you were to put it in a in, in a percentage what would you say
4: well i mean it's got to be you know uh 70 80 i mean they have to do it i mean it's it's what the fans want to see uh it, it's kind of a no-brainer you know
3: yeah to me uh, what do you think todd you're the skeptic um, I think it keeps things fresh. I mean, ultimately, you could lose some cast members along way contracts, things like that, and it's a good yeah. way to pulse them in. Like, you know, the Doctor, um, yeah. with Bones, you know that doc- the Doctor that's the main Doctor yeah, there. Mimenga. He's had yeah. some, he's had some issues and some some trauma and things like mm-hmm. that, and it kind of felt like he's not all in and may need to resolve and do something else. So, I could see transitions being the driver to bring in those other actors. Gotcha. Very good. Very good, Peter. What do you
0: think? Um, I think it's very likely that they're going to do it. Um, I'm not going to say I would be the happiest about it.
1: <laughs> um, well, I know, I, I know but, you're a very traditionalist, yeah, and I know you're a big TOS guy, yeah. I get it, yeah, yeah. So, I hear you very good I, I I also think it's a it's a better than average chance so I'm gonna go anywhere between 60 and 70 percent um, just because they you know if they have the momentum strange new worlds is beloved um, you know something we, we touched upon in the pre-roll is that the Saturn awards just happened there were a ton of nominations and obviously strange new worlds was one that received several um, so yeah th- it would not surprise me that they wanted to keep that rolling uh, and engage that existing um, viewership uh, with more so just can.
2: I'm also going to go with about 70%. Um, I think that it's likely, but it's not necessarily a sure thing. Right. Uh, we don't know how long Scotty is going to stick around if he is going to stick around. Uh, we do currently have a chief engineer on the enterprise that I think is awesome. Tell you Totally. Uh, oh so yeah. O'Kane's King- King- fantastic. Um, I'd like to see another season of her if possible. Um, but you know Whatever they do is whatever they do. And I know that the, you know, Strange New Worlds came about because there was a lot of fan interest in this show even happening after what happened on season two of Discovery with them. So if there's interest for it, we'll see. I have not really seen a lot of sort of clamoring for it on the internet to the extent that I did for like, let's have this Captain Pike show Um, or what's happening now is with uh, the potential legacy show with uh, Captain Seven on the G.
1: Right, yeah, totally. You know,
2: I know that people really want that. I really want that. Um, But I would also be totally not mad if they wanted to re-explore the original series a little bit um, and just sort of reframe some of that for a modern audience. Um, not to change too much, because I don't think that what they've changed has been, you know, inauthentic. But mm-hmm. um, there are things about the original series that, I mean, it's groundbreaking for its time, of course, but it could use a little updating.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I know Peter does, because I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. But at any rate, you know the good news is is that uh, you know we've got nothing but time. Obviously, Star Trek is an institution, and there's going to be um, fun changes and new things coming forward. And we will always be talking about it here. So, everybody, thanks for chiming in for this technologically challenged first segment of our show. Uh, right now, Peter and Todd are going to leave us. Uh, Peter, where do people find you out there? You can find me mostly. On the internet at Petrus Aquinas. Uh,
0: mostly I'm on Discord, but you know, if you find me, you can say things. I probably won't
1: say anything back. <laughs> it's but. always a possibility. What about Mr. Todd Oxtra? Besides the fact that he's, you know, he's with me, you can find him with me.
3: Uh, send help, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Blink twice if you're in distress. <laughs> uh, no, you can follow me on uh, threads at T Oxtra and at Secret Friends Unite on threads as well. Also on the uh, Twitters, uh, that's mainly just a placeholder uh, to bring people over to threads. (laughs) Twitter placeholder. Uh, Agreed. All right. Well, uh,
1: Peter and Todd, thank you again. Uh, We'll pause for a brief station identification, and then we'll be back to wrap up season four of Deep Space Nine. See you in a minute. All right, we're back. Wow, what an adventure! Uh, Hopefully, when I go back and try to edit segment one, it's you know I try to Frankenstein it together. It's not too much of a miss, but uh, yeah.
2: Recording equipment. What's that? You got all the tribbles out of your recording equipment.
1: I did. I don't even. They they were they were in my internet box. I don't know. I don't know if you're a fan of. I guess not. I I don't know if you're a fan of that show, The IT crowd. Uh, but it was like, you know, <laughs> where it was Jen Jen, who's the character on that show, believed that the internet was this box. And so, yes. So my internet that 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 my my internet the box was 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 corrupted by Tribbles. So uh oh. <laughs> happens all the time. It happens all the time. But anyway, we are uh wrapping up talking about uh season four of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So things are getting hot. In the gamma slash alpha quadrant near that old wormhole, it sounds like down by the old you know swimming hole or something. But yeah, we got some we got some gems of episodes here. A lot of action, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into it, uh, Jen, with episode twenty. Take it away.
2: All right, we have episode twenty, Shattered Mirror, uh, directed by James L. Conway written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beimler, uh, aired April 20th, 1996. Cisco attempts to rescue Jake after he is lured into the war-torn Mirror Universe by his mother's living counterpart.
1: Oh, my! Yeah. Whole lot going on here. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, so we have another Mirror Universe episode. Um, this is not my favorite Mirror Universe episode. Um I'm I'm sort of, you know, take or leave him a little bit anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, my heart goes out to Jake in this one, too, because, you know, he, oh, his mom is back, right? And as far as he's concerned, this is his mom, even though yeah, Jake right. never existed in the Mary universe because they, you know, never got together. Um, right. Yeah, so...
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of a lot of bad manipulation in this, but I, I did see mm-hmm. Cisco's uh, everything that set this episode in, in motion happened in the mirror universe episode last season, which was which the, the name of it is escaping me. Where C- Cisco goes over and he plays like John McClane. He's like super badass. He seduces two women. Uh, he, you know, has a smooch at the end with this mirror universe counterpart of his late wife. Um, so yeah, in this episode, he comes back. You know, they, they snag him back with this trick. You know, it's very manipulative trick that Mirror Jennifer pulls on poor Jake. Gets him to go over, and so Cisco goes over to get him back. Uh, and, you know, he gets confronted by Dax, who he seduced, and she slaps him on the face, pulls a knife on him. Do you get my point? I hope not. Uh, That was a little uh, on point, was it not, on the nose? Um, And then, yeah, Bashir uh, Bashir is clearly, he's very sadistic, uh, this uh, mirror Bashir. Um, Somebody pointed this out a long time ago. You know, we do find out in a subsequent season that our Bashir is genetically enhanced, sorry. Um, But he was, as a child, he was very developmentally delayed, almost disabled the way they described him. So with this Bashir not having those... uh, those enhancements that, that Arbashir had, uh, is this guy just kind of a violent rumbling moron? But I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a weird retcon, but anyway, he and Dax appear to be, uh, together. Uh, and at the end of it, there's, you know, again, you know, they, it, it's like, it's a competition to figure out how many of our characters they can kill off in the mirror universe. So in this one, we lose, I think it was not the only one we lost, we lose nog. And then we lose Jennifer who was already dead in our universe. So a little bit of symmetry. So, um, But as we found out Worf is the the head Klingon, Uh, we get some, you know, decent uh, play, I think, from Garrick, uh, who is just also just very sniveling uh, in this episode and very manipulative, you know, kind of doing what he does best. Uh, And Kira is the intendant. I I think that's the best part of the mix because she's a she's a flip on our Kira, who's still very hard edge, but it still has a sweetheart where intendant Kira is just. Straight up evil in every conceivable way. So I don't know. I'd have to disagree. I kind of enjoyed this. But again, it had a lot of bang pow. you know, shoot them ups, which I know, Jen, that's not your thing. But, you know, as a guy who loves pew pews, I, kind of, I mean, I kind of dug that. Um, but anyway, Aaron, what's your take?
4: You know, it, it was interesting to me, um, remembering having watched this episode, you know, as a young teenager and watching it now with the benefit of, of 20 years later. I remember the first time watching it being like, oh, boy, another Mirror Universe episode. And, and now here I am 20 years later having, you know, played like Star Trek Online where everything is from the Mirrorverse in this game. I'm kind of like, oh, oh another, yeah, another Mirror yeah. Universe episode. Okay. But um, it was interesting. Uh, it, it was a it, again another great example of a multi layered episode because you know it, <laughs> it's kind of like the underlying theme is everyone was kind of exploiting everyone else in a certain way. You know, I mean, there's the obvious they're being exploited by the Mirrorverse, you know, to to build this ultimate weapon or well, not ultimate, but to, to help them build their version of the Defiant. Um, but at the same time, you know, the exploitation of Jake's uh, mother figure both ways and that she's exploiting him to get what she wants, but he's also kind of exploiting her in a way by putting this um, um, relationship that she hasn't earned on her in in a lot of ways. And, and I I can, I can understand where he's coming from that, that, that desperation for wanting to connect with a motherly figure and everything. But I don't know, it it was kind of cringy at some points for me. And it was kind of hard for me to get into that a little bit
1: yeah um, no that's tough to disagree with you, yeah. I get it
4: yeah and and um you know i I think the standout for this, of course, was you know Benjamin Cisco just being surrounded by 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 all this, and especially knowing he's being exploited and everything in the way he just kind of you know you know straightens that uniform and goes in and is like this is how a Starfleet officer should be, like you know, even in this situation where they're just facing you know total destruction, you know, and he's got that moment where he can leave. And no one's going to stop him. But then, at the same time, he knows he's the only one who can help these people to make sure they stand a chance. And, you know, he just says, he's like he turns to spy, is like,
1: "Get out of that chair!" Like that was like yeah. such a such yeah. a great
4: Cisco moment for me. I just absolutely adored that.
1: So. Yeah. No. It was, yeah. Without without a doubt. So. Well. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so kind of a mixed review. I get it. For me, there's no mixed review on the next episode. So, Aaron, why don't you give us the muse?
4: Sure thing. The muse. Uh, this is episode 21 of season four, directed by David Livingston. Story by Renee Ashavaria. Again, sorry if I. No. That you nailed you. it. Okay, and Miguel Barrett Roddenberry with ah. teleplay, with teleplay by Renee Echevarria. This first aired April twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. Ninety uh, so, six. Ninety
2: six. Ninety yes. six. I You're even have my yourself.
4: I even have my glasses on. I don't even know how I'm okay. Anyway, <laughs> so the summary: While Odo assists a pregnant Luxana Troy, Jake falls under the spell of a mysterious woman, Onaya.
1: This was such a 50-50 episode for me. But anyway, you go first.
4: Well, you know, I pride myself on my ability to read context clues. And, you know, I write a lot of scripts for projects that I do. And and, and I'm really interested in the production quality and the writing and kind of seeing what the writer's intentions are. But I, I, I got to admit, this is the first time I've ever watched an episode and I saw this Onaya character walk off the the ship with, with 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 no clues other than the title of the show and seeing her character, and I pointed to her and I thought, talent vampire, like I,
1: I, <laughs> it's, it's in the eyes. It's yeah, the eyes. I
4: don't know. It's just like I knew exactly what her thing was, and I'm like, talent vampire. I, I swear, yeah. So it was interesting. I I really liked. Um, the subplot with Luxana. I always love seeing Majo Raddenberry and Luxana as Luxana Troy in these episodes. And we delight. I, I, I was watching this with my wife and we were just picking apart her wardrobe and being like, oh, this is fantastic costume. And <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that, that's mostly what we were talking about. And I was like, yeah, that Odo, he's, you know, for someone without a face, he's such a lady killer, you know? it just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> eyes without a fan. talent vampire yeah. by the way got the name of the episode so good work yeah usually definitely. almost always jen lands the name of an episode for us so uh an interesting streak to finally see broken but i know jen could come roaring back so i would not i would not be surprised so <laughs> with,
2: uh, yeah with,
1: with, <laughs> <you> be, <laughs> no, no not at all all right well without further ado please jen your um, take
2: i've I've got half of a good episode and half of bad episode.
1: Exactly,
2: (laughs) and I could do without the whole Jake and Muse and Talent Vampire thing. And I I would really much rather see this be about Odo and Luxana. And I know, like that—that's a good story. That's a solid story. You've got Odo who's still kind of like aware of his feelings for Kira, but. He's got this really genuine connection with Loxana, and this is not the first time he's had that connection with her because in season three, yeah. there was some of that too.
1: The um, gratitude festival, yeah.
2: Yes, yes. Um, but this is a little bit more genuine here, and that connection of them, their friendship, the connection of them as outsiders, and Odo's speech during the ceremony as being this such this heartfelt, true thing that he has to... Feel like he can't like, it feels like it's not reciprocated by Loxana because this is just like a marriage of convenience for her. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, that's my favorite part of the episode. And that's, yeah, you know, one of my favorite Odo moments actually. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really good Odo moments throughout the series. But, of course. Um, I like this one you know yeah. like that half of it the other half can it,
1: the other half's like a bad twilight zone episode yeah oh god big time Well, <laughs> that's exactly twilight correct it's exactly like a bad 90s twilight zone episode not even like like oh well it's the 60s and give it a 60s lens this is like the, ugh, the
2: 2002 like,
1: one. Oh, 2000 there you go the, that mm-hmm, was like mm-hmm. the
2: least great. early the aughts is even
1: even more cringy had, yeah
2: the one had a lot of star trek actors in it and you can read all about that on screen rant
1: <laughs> oh, look at that plug 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 plug. I love it. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on this one. Um love seeing uh you know the the first lady of Star Trek Major Barrett Roddenberry uh in one of one of her final turns of it as the character, if I'm not mistaken. Th- this could be her final turn as a character actually. I'd have to look that up. Um but uh, yeah but almost uh, um, but almost she does of course major Bear does obviously go on to be the voice of the computer all the way through start the end of star trek voyager and into star trek nemesis as well but yeah great great a great turn as her character it's interesting that i think we somewhat disadvantaged by the fact that this ends up being a no stakes episode because, oh, she was married and she had a baby. And then, uh, the, with the exception of some beta canon, which happens in a novel that was the, I think, the Battle of Beta Z, it was a Dominion era novel that I know I read in the early 2000s, which I enjoyed very much. She appears again, and, you know, Troy is on the cover of that book with a rifle and defending her planet because, of course, Beta uh, Zoid in season six falls to the Dominion. And so it's a story based around that. And Luaxana appears in that with her child and such, but <clears throat> yeah, great, great character development uh, for Odo, kind of uh, pushing him forward and, and exploring the complexities of that character. But you know, a, a shame not to see Luaxana anymore. So, but yeah, the uh, yeah, the Onaya bit and that actress Meg Foster, very striking visage, no matter what kind of makeup she's in, just because she's got those eyes. But uh, yeah, terrible talent, ter- terrible talent, vampire thing happening. So. Blah. Big thumbs down for me. Uh, All right. Let me jump us into episode 22 for the cause. James L. Conway did the directing story by Mark Garrett O'Connell. Don't know that name. So it could be from the slush pile. And teleplay by uh, one of my heroes, Ron Moore from May of 1996. Cisco learns that his girlfriend, Cassidy, might be a Maquis smuggler. Whoops! Oh, the things <laughs> we do for love. Uh, Garrick has taken an interest in Gull Ducat's and half-daughter Torsiel. Al- oh, gosh, <laughs> so many good moments with that. Um, not the least of which is uh, when uh, you have a scene in the uh, tailor shop where Quark is in there getting a suit made and uh, the, the, the interplay between two of them, he says, make the lapels look good. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I was looking for a way to make the lapels look bad. And Quark <laughs> says, Quark says, you know, I could do without the sarcasm. I don't need another waiter. What a great, what a great scene between two, just absolutely awesome actors. Uh, both of whom I've met. I, uh, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this. Uh, and, and I just, uh, Armin and Terry are now with, uh, Robbie and Garrett doing a retelling of all of DS nine on the Delta flyers that started actually just this past week. Um, but I have spent some time with Armin, my, my favorite Armin story. I met him on the cruise, but when we were at Star Trek, Las Vegas, uh, Uh, April and myself and then Missy and Kay, we were all grabbing an Uber to go to uh, one of the parties that we attended and as we're standing in in front of the Rio waiting for this car to pull up, uh, I, 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 I sense someone to my right and I turn around and it's Armin sitting there also waiting, waiting for an Uber. And he called Kitty and was just checking in with her. And we had a conversation just told him how much I admired his shakes, you know, the Shakespeare, uh, his work within Shakespeare and how he talked about it on one of the, uh, one of the segments that he did when he was on the cruise. And what a lovely man and has, has age, he looks the same now as he did 30 years ago. He just has, uh, exactly what you would expect, but just a very gracious and talented man. So, but that's not what this episode is about. I, I went on a tangent, excuse me. um, I, obviously, I watched these all the way through uh, when they were on the first time. This is when, this was uh, uh, during the summer uh, between my uh, sophomore and junior years at MSU. Um, but uh, being just absolutely shocked at the end that uh, Eddington, who we almost never see, and so this was a little convenient, ended up being the villain. Um, but he was a great villain because this is first of his this is the first of his three appearances as a maquis character um that was awesome uh the 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 little interplay that they have at the end is awesome you know he says the federation is worse than the borg because at least the borg tells you what they want where the federation just kind of seduces you with with replicators and friendship and yada 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 and all of a sudden you're just one of them and you're just like, well, screw you, buddy. <laughs> just my <laughs> response. Be talking to Cisco like that, he's gonna think he's gonna beat the crap out of you. Um, but I, I love this, and and I I I do admire Cassidy for coming back and taking her lumps. And uh, she went to jail. Uh, and but uh, you know what happens to her relationship between Sis, her and Sis, him and her and Cisco after that, you don't know. So it's just left to hang. So I I thought it was a great episode. I enjoyed it very much. So. All right. Enough of my blabbing. Jen.
2: One of the things that I really liked about this episode is that we've seen Eddington before, that he's not a brand new character for this episode. He's one of those guys in the background with a name. You see a bunch of them on Voyager. You you know, you know, saw a lot of them on Next Generation. O'Brien was one of them for yep, a long yep. time, too. So you're expecting him to be around. He's got a reason for being there. Uh, and he's not just you know brand new guy that
1: Anson Ricky must be him yeah you know, some dum dum yeah brand
2: new guy and, right but he's also this like sort of inconsequential character up to that point too he's right not, you
0: know
1: he's no background
2: there he's in the background and that's what makes it so interesting uh, to have him take this turn and his perspective is the way he frames it is understandable as someone who's been. Um, sort of disenfranchised by the powers that be of the federation, right. he does have a way of expressing his frustrations with it, and I have heard some people you know say, you know, maybe the federation is an analogy for this this, 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 for mm-hmm, other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I get where he's coming from. I disagree, but I get where he's coming from.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, that and that and that is really what I think a lot of us look for out of entertainment mm-hmm. to give us an opposing view that we can appreciate, even if it's not ours. And this, right. this I think, really pulled that off. Yeah, right. no, I it totally agree.
2: Never had that type of. Um, I think the only other time that you've seen someone that's kind of like that was with Ro uh, yeah. in, in Next Generation. And obviously she was supposed to come to DS9. Or that was the original plan for her before we got Kira. Right. Um, but that, and, you know, the Maquis continue on to Voyager 2. And you see, you know, these perspectives of people who have been sort of let down by the Federation and by Starfleet um, because it can't be perfect all the time, you know. Right. Um, it's easy to be a saint in paradise, basically. Right, you know, right, yeah, yeah. But out here, you don't really know what your consequences are going to be. And DS9 is all about consequences and hard choices. And there isn't going to be an easy answer all the time. And that means sometimes people like Eddington are going to defect. And, right. Um. And take matters into his own hands to the right. ability. I mean, right. Cisco kind of takes matters into his own hands too throughout the series, right? Um, you know, so yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, and you know, Cassidy being not, not really a red herring here, like she's, you know, she's also just trying to make a living, right? You know, with her freighter,
1: right? And, and, tra- and trying to, and you know. <laughs> like a lot of the Mikey just trying to do something that they think is right, you know? And so she's, she's amongst that. So yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. So Aaron, your thoughts.
4: Well, you know, this was another, uh, a solid episode and, and, and when it comes to Eddie didn't got to respect that long game, uh, the, the (laughs) development they did of introducing him as, as, uh, you know, almost a background character and then having this switcheroo of this big reveal moment where he's, You know, been the bad guy all along that was that was absolutely mind-blowing and, and fantastic
2: all
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh there's our new name <laughs> oh jen jen for the steel all right aaron please continue
4: <laughs> well done. well done. mad respect for that um no the, the the one part that really like like shows what kind of a, a a terrible person eddington is for me was when he's he's like you said he was giving that speech about the borg but the big thing that I kept thinking the entire time he was giving that Borg speech to uh, Cisco I was like, you're talking to one of the only survivors of Wolf 359, man.
1: Yeah, like what a, that was what a that was poor. That was poor form. There's no yeah. doubt about it. <laughs> what
4: what a slap in the face! But you know, Eddington, You know, I I'm, I might be a little bit biased here as a former member of Maquis forces Buchanan back in oh, the day. Oh yes, the Maquis I,
1: forces Buchanan. Th- I understand.
4: Yeah, I I understand where they're coming from, and I supported the Maquis up to a certain extent. But but Eddington is the reason why. The Maquis had to be opposed at some point because he's getting into a point now where he's manipulating and exploiting people and hurting people to get what he wants, and and, and that's not okay. That's not the Starfleet way. I, I not something I can personally condone. Uh, at, at some point, you have to, you know, take the high ground and 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 do things the right way. And, and Eddington was just taking it too far.
1: Yeah, you know, and and. and
4: this this was definitely the start of that downward spiral for for being a from being a noble cause to okay now you're now you're a problem.
2: It's you know. almost exactly. like some of the villains in the MCU where they seem like they have a good point and then because they have to be a villain they just, you know, kill somebody for no particular reason. Like not that Eddington's killing anyone yet, but like yeah. you know.
1: It's like you had me until <clears throat> yeah 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 Yowza. so yeah um for me definitely in the running of uh, running of best of the pack uh for this so all right cool all right let's move on jen i'll kick it back to you for episode 23 an introduction of a very important character
2: episode 23 to the death directed by lavar burton written by iris steven bear and robert hewitt wolf Super Cisco talent. and the Defiant crew join forces with the Jem'Hadar to stop a group of Jem'Hadar renegades from gaining power using an Iconian gateway discovered in the Gamma Quadrant. Woohoo! So, November eleventh, nineteen
1: ninety-six. A lot of stuff going on in this episode. People and places Almost and too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You make a very good point. Yeah, because you're getting uh, you know the introduction of some key characters and plot points and whatever. Yeah. But go ahead, okay. please.
2: Um. So yeah, you're 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 heating up, getting to the you know the, the dominion war and i mean introduction of course of we in this one right um right
1: yes correct okay not jeff combs um, because we did see jeff combs as a guest star in season three yes. he played a he played a skeevy guy with a who was a, cre- a creeper on kira oh, and it was a yeah, holodeck program was right. that was him yeah. yeah
2: yeah um so yeah uh Wayne comes in as the sort of keeper of the gem Hadar, um, mm-hmm. the, as the Vorda race. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you know, connection to them. Um, and the, uh, the Iconian thing is what comes back from next generation.
1: Yes. Yes. He's coming in to yeah. kind
2: of go, I was here when,
1: yeah, um, I got that reference. Yeah. It was a wharf. I got that reference deal. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, a
2: lot going on in this.
1: episode, Yeah, big time. We had we had two gem had our guest stars who were notable. We had the venerable Brian Thompson, who is a very big dude, a very much a that guy. He's been in everything. He's been in Buffy. He was in the original Terminator. Uh, help me out here. Aaron, are you thinking of any other great roles that we've seen Brian Thompson in? He's just one of those that guys.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that sums up uh, really good. Uh, that guys, I, I can't think of anything. Uh, I think you got all the ones I could think of up
1: the top. Yeah, of head. Well, the two big ones. But the main Jem Hadar uh, is played by a guy named Clarence Thompson, or I think it's Clarence. It's Clarence Williams, III, who was, this will, this is way before my time, but anybody who watched or uh, familiar with the show called the mod squad in the 1970s, he was the, it was a, it was a, a young white woman and a black guy and a third character who I'm drawing a blank on. He was the black guy. Uh, just a very formidable dude. He was also the character. He was also the father of the character portrayed by Prince in purple rain. There you go. There's a semi more contemporary reference. I guess. But anyway, awesome actor, very steely faced. Um really pulls the role. off. you learn a lot about the Gem Hadar in this episode, you know, they uh o- the oldest of Gem Hadar gets to be is maybe 20 and they're called honored elders. They don't sleep, they don't have women, which is that's kind of a problem. Uh for, <laughs> it would be for me. Um but uh yeah uh and apparently it's not a big deal because at the end of this episode with the big fight uh when the when you know Wayun questions um the validity of the Hadar saying we completed our mission uh Clarence Williams just just vaporizes him and it's just like no, oh, nobody really bats an eye it's good <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th- I thought that was one of those kind of like, hey, we got to wrap this up. So let's just have some random violence and it's going to be okay. Random violence random wrap violence. up. Yay. Vi- <laughs> that could that could be a contender for a name of the episode too. Yeah. Oh, we get that yeah, I'm sorry.
2: of how the Jem'Hadar are though, right? Like that's all they know is yeah. like, being violent and, and war and like – They could have had a little bit more depth because, you know, sort of akin to the clone troopers in Star Wars and that they, you know, mature fast and, you know, are trained to be soldiers. And we had so many um, interesting characters that were, you know, clone troopers, but like, not to pull in too much from the other franchise, but like. That was good. You get some complication with them. You get some interest with them. Um, You see other episodes where they're a little bit more interesting as well, but they're like, they're just kind of one note. Yeah. You know, they are kind of like we are war. We are, you know,
1: victory is life. Yeah. Victory is life. <laughs> victory
2: is life. Yeah, exactly. So um to contrast that. I, with, I re- you know, I really like the scene where the one guy was talking with Dax and how yeah. she's like that's a lousy existence.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you don't eat, don't sleep and you don't get you don't get laid. So yeah. that's big thumbs down from me. <laughs> it's no joy. Uh Aaron Absolutely
4: love this episode. Uh, you know, I, I've said before, Jeffrey Combs is one of my favorite actors. I absolutely adore that man, and uh, his portrayal of Wayun has always been one of my favorite characters. Um, and it was it was really great seeing him introduced in that way. And for me, the big delight for this episode was uh, seeing the Gem Hadar forces. Being forced into a situation where they have to work alongside Starfleet mm-hmm. and getting to see that dichotomy of these opposing views. Uh, you know between the Jem'Hadar hadar warriors and 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 starfleet and and seeing how in spite the fact that they're so intrinsically different in so many ways they still found a middle ground uh, uh, to to work together and I thought that was very, very inspiring. You know, I, I love that scene in the turb in, in in the turbo lift with uh Weyoun and the um First and Cisco where they're they're trying to figure out how are we how are we gonna make this work. And then it was the Jem Hadar uh, captain the first officer the first who said that we need to mix teams mix the teams together because the only way we're going to respect you is by fighting together right and and i thought that was really profound you know there you you, you don't really realize how honor is so important to the Jem gem hadar in much the same way it is to the klingons
1: um, right right and I was that was first- was yeah. And the big mix between Brian Thompson's Jemitar and Worf. Hey, I've always wanted to yep. kill a Klingon. And then they're they're doing that. It was some really questionable stunt work of how they're rolling around on the floor <laughs> in the mess yeah. room. But then uh, Cisco and Clarence Williams come in and they're like, Mr. Worf, I told you not to do this. You're restricted to quarters. And Clarence Williams like, you knew my orders. Yes. And I deserve punishment. And he snaps his neck. Yep. I'm like, yeah. Like, yay. Violence again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, of
4: course. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I, um, uh, uh, I kind of lost my, my thought a little bit here. Oh no, I'm off the track. Uh, uh no, uh, I love that idea of, um, you know, in a war story, it's like in any other circumstances, we could have been friends right. and that was kind of the vibe we were getting from the Jem Hadar in this, which kind of makes, you know, everything to come and all the more tragic. It adds so much depth to it. I just, I love it for that.
1: Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and again, a a strong runner for one of my favorites. So this is going to be tough when we get the end of it here. So, um, uh, I think it's me now. Episode 24 is the quickening directed by Renee Oberchon. Wow. Uh, Naren Shankar is the writer. He was a stalwart uh, of the writing staff of TNG. Um, and this is a very thoughtful episode. So I I think he's, he's a wonderful writer. Bashir tries to free the population of a gamma quadrant world and the, Teplin system of an engineered disease left by the Dominion two hundred years previously. Wow, this—I um, thought this was pretty intense. This is from uh, from May of nineteen ninety-six. Um, pretty intense, but it also really punctuates Bashir and his own. And this is again, this is before we find out why he's so smart because he's—you know—we find out in, in uh, season uh, six that he's genetically. Yeah. end of middle of season six that he's genetically engineered in the the episode, Dr. Bashir, I presume, which had Robert Picardo in it as the actual Lewis Zimmerman who is making a he was creating a long term EMH program using Bashir as a template and exposed the fact that he's basically uh, conned the doctor uh, pretty much. Um, but at this point, we just think that Bashir is like, well, he's really great, but he's also super arrogant, which is, you know, a, a sort of a stereotypical um, portrayal of a physician in, 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 entertainment. Like, Oh, I, I know everything. I have a God complex, blah, blah, blah. But I think that really plays out pretty effectively in this episode because, you know, it's Kira and Dax, uh, and Bashir on a away mission and the Gammaquatch and they stumble upon this, uh, they beam down. Bashir says, oh my God, I can fix this. I mean, it's a, it's a virus, you know, and he even makes reference. He's talking to X. Hey, don't you remember when we were in the blah, blah, blah with the this and that, such and such. We fixed it in about 20 minutes and introduced the thing into the water supply. And he's like, he's like, it ain't no thing. He's just, he's very, he, he's very, uh, he insists upon himself. This is an expression I'd love to use when somebody is an arrogant jerk. He really insists upon himself and he really does. Um, but he, uh, he can't beat this one um he and he and Dax work very hard on this and Kira has to leave to avoid being discovered by the Jem'Hadar so they're there on this planet for several weeks they uh enlist the help of this native who is a pregnant woman uh and yeah this quickening kills absolutely everyone but you know it comes at different rates and everybody has weird little tattoos and when they turn red you die from the quickening um So they're treating this woman, they're treating other people, they think they're onto it, and in the end of it, they're not. Everybody dies. This woman dies, but her baby is born, and the baby doesn't have the quickening. So he found a vaccine which can be introduced into the population so that the next generation will not have it, but he still didn't cure it. So even seeing the last scene of the episode, he's back on the station, staying up to all hours of the night, still plugging variables into the computer, trying to beat this. And he just, he just can't. Um, so this is one of the first times that you really see him stymied and, and hopefully it knocks him down a peg because God knows in life, we all need to be knocked down a peg when we get a little high on ourselves. So I, I really, I really like this episode too. And it was nice. It had an A story. I don't know. I don't know that there was a B story in this episode. Wasn't it just really pretty singular? Unless I'm misremembering, you know, I watched it. Yeah, I've seen these episodes time and time again over the last 25 plus years. So I will admit I don't sit and take notes and maybe pay the strictest attention as I could, but I, I feel like this was, this was, there was just an A story in this one, but yeah, there, th- yeah, there was, pl- there was, Bashir. yeah, there was plenty of story to tell. So anyway, uh, Jen.
2: I really like this episode, but I also really like Bashir. Um, yeah. He's a fascinating character to me. Um, Because he does start off the series so full of himself and so arrogant, but also so very green, so just wide-eyed and eager and kind of annoying. And um, this is one of these episodes that he's trying to prove himself, you know, he's he is insisting upon himself because he believes so strongly that he can do this and that if he can't, then it can't be done Um, because he's supposed to be able to be this, he's supposed to be this genius, right? And it's like, if he's not a genius and if he can't solve all of the medical problems, then
1: he's a failure. Who is he? And is he doing this?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Then he's, he's just putting all of these expectations on himself. And I like that as a story, and I identify that in some ways is that sure. you know, he's a perfectionist and he's supposed to be able to do this. Um, and I like, you know, Dex being, you know, pointing out that just because you can't do it doesn't mean that it can't be done. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other options, there's other ways, there's other things that you may not have thought of. Uh, and it is one of the first, uh, well, not first, but an earlier step to. Him learning a little bit of humility and Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know yeah like you said sort of taking him down but making himself more just self-aware really and um a little bit more relatable instead of just being
1: you know super dude super doctor yeah big time all right aaron
4: yeah i I really enjoyed this episode um man what a what a what a tearjerker though yeah big time Uh, it was, it was really hard for me to to watch this one uh, at certain points. But um, I, I, as far as character development for Bashir goes, yeah, this was a fantastic moment because it was ironic because the first time he comes on DS9, he's all like, Frontier medicine, you know, this is this is the wilds.
1: This <laughs> so is what this is now, right?
4: Yeah. And this was him getting exactly what he asked for. Mm. He was like, but, "Oh, uh,
1: wait a minute this this yeah. kind of sucks because I'm not I'm not the master of my domain here." So yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. But
4: that, that's why he's here. This is, is it's everything was leading to this in a lot of ways in terms of his ambitions and everything. Because this is what he wanted. He wanted to be on the front lines. He wanted to get his hands dirty and prove himself and everything. And then he gets here and and he sees the consequences just up close and personal and. And he has to go through that with these people and, and he matures a lot over the course of this episode. And and that's fantastic. I I mean, and I, I, I agree with you. I I find him just delightfully arrogant uh, a lot of Mm -hmm. times. It was kind of nice to see him kind of put in his place uh, a little bit. The other interesting thing I had with this whole thing is, you know, this is, this is, this is the Dominion using biological warfare on, on on another species and again we have the hindsight of coming back to this you know after picard has come out and everything we got to see the whole the wrath of the returning changelings and the fallout from oh, that
1: yeah. yeah
4: and it's like it's like they're like you did this to us you committed genocide and then you can look at this episode and it's like you were doing the same thing yeah
1: do <laughs> as i say not as i do thank you it, exactly
4: yeah. so uh i i kind of i kind of was thinking that through the the whole episode and i was like this isn't right. No, 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 no one was right in this, but I right. can't help but wonder if maybe section 31 might have been a little bit inspired by some of the war crimes you had already committed on people under your jurisdiction
1: yeah thanks for your book of war crimes we appreciate it why well, I, yeah. I, I didn't re- i didn't read the cliff's notes yeah exactly oh mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> book of war crimes not a bad one either but i'm sorry yay violence is still going to have to be the top <laughs> show <one> for me <laughs> yeah. that was a, that was good stuff all right well let's uh turn our attention to a vaguely uh more light-hearted episode uh 25 that's you aaron
4: okay Episode 25, titled Body Parts. This one was directed by Avery Brooks. Story. Francisco. Yeah. Story by Louis P. DeSantis and Robert J. Bolivar. Teleplay by Hans Biemler. And this originally aired in June 8th, 1996. There you go. I, I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> uh, and uh, the summary. Quark is diagnosed with a terminal disease, Dorex syndrome, and given a week to live due to an unavoidable accident on the runabout. Volga, Miles and Kiko's unborn baby is transferred to Major Kira by Dr. Bashir.
1: Oh, my gosh. And we get nearly a back to back in two different roles. Uh, appearance by Jeff Combs. And again, I've spent a decent amount of time with Jeff Combs. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, I was on stage with him on the cruise for a variety show sketch where I volunteered and I was on stage with him and Tawny. And, uh, and then, uh, he was a guest at Grand Rapids comic con earlier this spring and he stopped by the booth and chatted us up, uh, because April and I already knew him. So he, he's a super nice guy in real life. Um, so I just, I love seeing him in anything. What can I say? Um, (laughs) But yeah, man, I, it's a fun episode, right? Sort of, I guess. Even though it deals with, to um, the ones
2: around it. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. It's a, this is <laughs> as lighthearted as we get. Um, you know, Bashir does a he does a second opinion on this uh, uh, this Ferengi doctor. Who tells Quark that he's dying? And the very first thing that Quark says, Rom's like, "Oh my god, brother, do you know what this means?" He's like, "Yes, it means I get to sue Doctor Aramak for <laughs> malpractice." That's all he really cares about. Um, but yeah, you know, Quark goes out there. He says, "Well, you know, the way that I can erase my debts and death is I will uh, put myself out there so everybody can." Because we there's there was precedence in buying a, a vacuum formed sample of someone's dead body in Ferengi. Society uh, on the Commodities Exchange. That's an established thing. Uh, So Quark goes out there, but the person who buys all of it up is Brunt, played by Jeff Combs from the FCA, who knows that Quark is not actually going to die, but he can use this to force Quark to to, either commit suicide or arrange his own death. Uh, And if he doesn't, he will be expelled from Ferengi Society. So after most consultation he does. And, and by hiring, <laughs> he hires Garrick to kill him, but they do it in a holiday scenario. So he's like, uh, you know, uh, poison. He says, "If I know the food's poison. I won't eat it. And you said that the, the, the getting poison smelled bad. And, uh, if you snap my neck, I don't want to listen to my neck snapping. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> oh, I guess, I guess the customer isn't always right. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the end of it, obviously he decides, uh, that, you know what, I'd rather live and not be part of Ferengi society. So, uh, his, all the contents of his bar get taken away and he's banned from Ferengi. He gets the, he gets the Ferengi black label. It's kind of like in a restaurant where it's like, there's cockroaches here. Slap it goes on the wall. Um, so, yes, that's the lighthearted part of it. And then yeah, the, the the B story with uh Miles and Keiko's unborn baby being transferred over to Kira. Obviously that was done because Nana Visitor was pregnant with uh, Alexander Siddig's baby because they were a couple at the time and later got married mm-hmm. and their 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 son uh whose name is on the tip of my tongue was uh that that was was uh was in utero. Um I to- Aaron, I totally stole that away from you. What are your thoughts on the episode? Sorry, I was, I was, I was monologuing.
4: My oh no, no, I always enjoy your monologue, so it's, it's fine by me. It's a treat for me. Uh, don't, don't don't let me stop you. Uh, I I really uh, enjoyed this episode. Um, I, I I love seeing the uh, developing insights into Ferengi society and their values and everything, and, and, and it's really funny. I especially these Quark episodes. I, I watched them with my wife. And and the thing about my wife is she's a Capricorn, she's very finance um, moti- hmm. you know, motivated with she handles. Yeah, all we got to get her
1: the ears. We got to We got yeah, to right, your right, wife right. at some right.
4: point. Yeah, we, we we always joke that she was adopted by a uh, uh, Ferengi, and so she's very familiar with the culture. So she, we watch all the Quark episodes together, and and she she was watching this one, and 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 the episode, the part where he's like going through and 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 selling everything off and counting counting everything, and she's just like, this just makes so much fiscal sense. I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> And
1: then, and then, I and really, he, I really like where he's going with this. It's good.
4: Yeah, and, then, and then, he, then he ends up, you know, losing everything because of his rebellion against society. And she's like, "I respect his decision, but he's lost so much profit." And she's just like crying.
1: It's just I, so, we, I weep for his accounts. It's so right. sad.
4: <laughs> like she's so into it, and I love it. And it makes these episodes so delightful to watch with her. Um, but but yeah, that that was fantastic. Uh, the, the whole cork episode and 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 the bit with Kira. Man, what an innovative solution for a Mm real-world problem with with Nana and her... They
1: don't have to hide her behind a chair like they did with uh, poor... uh, Gates McFadden uh, throughout mm-hmm. all of season four of TNG is let's mm-hmm. make her stand behind a chair. Let's make her stand behind a you know whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah,
4: yeah, it's, it's it's such a brilliant move because she's such you know she's such a warrior uh, oriented character in a lot of ways. You know you know and everything and and, and she's putting in a situation where she has to be a nurturer and, a, and and a caregiver in a lot of ways. And it's it just it's it's such an interesting struggle to see with her character. It's it, it's just brilliant, especially with 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 her being the way she is to. Put her in this situation. It's 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 a wealth of story possibilities moving forward, and, and I'm just so impressed that they uh, found such an innovative solution to that.
1: I love it. Good deal. All right, Jen. We've been yakking away. What's your take? <laughs>
2: um. Gosh. Okay. What, what are body parts? Um.
1: Yes. I yes. know. So much going on.
2: There is a lot going on. There's always a lot going on. Um. <laughs> yeah. So this it is the lighthearted episode of the bunch. If we're going to have a lighthearted episode. Right. Um, I understand why they did what they did with Kara. I think it's, you know, interesting to that. Um, Bashir did it because Bashir did it.
1: Um, <laughs> Bashir did it.
2: Yeah. There's an episode later. I think where she goes, you, you did this to me. Oh like,
1: God. Early. Yeah. Early in the next season yeah. when she's obviously still pregnant.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish there had been some consent, but you know, there's a. Uh, I mean, things, I guess
1: it happened. It happened, you know, off camera. I, but yeah, it I was know, one of those desperate situations. Just, but yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. As a
2: woman watching this, I'm just kind of like, mm. uh, yeah, but anyway, like it is. A, it's a clever solution. It 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 does what it needs to do, and um, you know, Kira's generous enough to not complain about it. Any more than she does, right? Um, the quark storyline, though, I that, you know that was great. Um, he's dying; he's not dying. <laughs> but the thing for me was at the end of it, after all of his possessions are gone, and they just sort of like start bringing in. Oh, we have these glasses that we don't need here. You can take them. Oh, we have this table. Where can we put this? And right. it's the generous spirit of the Federation mm-hmm. accepting quark. For who he is. Right. He because he's part,
1: he's part of their community. Of so the they love him. Yeah.
2: Right. <clears throat> so they're going to do what they can to help. And it's like, we recognize your, your culture. We understand that. But our culture is acceptance and generosity and and kindness and compassion. And we have that for you, regardless of things you may have done or said in the past, Um Work's a product of his circumstance. We've, you know, sort of right. talked about that in previous episodes, too. Um, so I like that. It's just it's a very, it's a very Starfleet Federation answer to these to the problem that he has. It's they're yeah. all, they're all a family. Right. In a way. So
1: great big family. Yeah, take that, Eddington, <laughs> trashing on the Federation. He sucks, that guy. Oh, yeah. All right. Well. If uh, that was a fun episode, this next one is not. So, uh, Jen, I think you're taking us home this week, yeah?
3: Yeah.
2: We've got episode 26, Broken Link, directed by Les Landau, story by George A. Brozak, teleplay by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolfe, aired June fifteenth, 1996. Odo collapses and is taken to the infirmary. Bashir discovers Odo is losing his ability to maintain solid form.
1: That's kind of a lame summary. Boo. But
2: yeah,
1: (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't blaming you. I'm just saying, you know, come on, get it together there. uh, People over at memory alpha. That's like the first five minutes. (laughs) So, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, this, this is your, you know, kind of your uh, actions have consequences episode following, you know, a whole year after, you know, kind of what set the stage for this one. So go ahead, please. Um,
2: yeah, so Odo's having trouble holding his shape. Um, and.
1: Hey, are you I'm drawing gonna, a blank? You I'm want gonna, me to jump in? i to go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so w- we do find out in uh, last season's finale, Uh, A changeling was trying to orchestrate a war between uh, the Federation and this other group, the Zen Cathy, which was an an old nemesis of the Federation uh, by faking uh, this whole setup of uh, attacking their colleagues, blah, blah. Odo, uh, you know, and it all takes place on the Defiant in that season three episode called The Adversary. And there's a big struggle and Odo has to toss this other changeling uh, against the warp core and it kills him. Um, And the changelings, uh, no changeling has ever harmed another that was set up uh, in their very first appearance at the beginning of season three. So, you know, it stands to reason that uh, eventually there were going to be some consequences for Odo and this is where that lands. Um, So, yeah, you know, they found a way to make him sick. He has to, you know, the, our crew has to take him back uh, to the Gamma Quadrant uh, and uh, be led by the Jem'Hadar in secrecy to the Founder's new homeworld because their old homeworld got blown up. Uh, and then they, he, Odo, has to go into the Link to be judged by them; otherwise, he will he will die. Um, and they do so. They judge him, and their judgment is when they spit him out a link. After several days of judgment, they have made him mortal. They've made they've turned him into a, a basically a human being. Um, and that was a big judgment. So yeah, uh, Odo's just crushing emotional defeat in that last, you know, ten minute segment of the episode. Um, and the I thought interesting was
2: interesting ex- too is that they, they they have him keep his face.
1: Too. Oh, yeah.
2: They don't, right. They don't change that and he's stuck with that like sort of ineffective uh, right. attempt at a humanoid
1: face. Well. Which is still the face that they all choose to make, but they may do right. that just for him because again, a changeling is not a physical being, you know, the drop becomes the ocean, the ocean becomes right. the drop when they leave the link. Um, uh, and this is all set up around, uh, there's a Garrick subplot line where uh, he tries to uh, tinker with the weapons on a defiant to blow up the planet. And then he and Worf have a fist fight, which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, what's funny is at the end of at the end of the episode, Garrick gets six months in jail and Cassidy has six months in jail. Yet I feel like we still see him before we see her again. But I don't know.
2: Garrick, a- he's gonna Garrick his way out of what?
1: Oh, he must. He day. must have been like, oh, there's a tailoring emergency. Garrick, we'll consider it time served. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. A tailoring
1: emergency. There's a tailoring. <laughs> That's almost. You know, if the episode title we didn't have wasn't already so good, a tailoring emergency. <laughs> would win the day
2: emergencies later
1: yeah uh, i guess
2: has plenty of them so
1: oh my gosh yes even in those very simple starfleet jumpsuits they wear there's always a tailoring emergency (laughs) um but uh yeah so we're left with a cliffhanger which even like I said I this was you know in June of 96 so it was the summertime and uh, I remember saying uh, at the end of it to myself or maybe I said it out loud um, when Odo they're watching a, a video of the fantastic Robert O'Reilly Gowron making this big speech how the Klingons are going to reconquer a world that they had previously like a, a century earlier that they had the arcana system that they had given to the Federation and you know they're watching this broadcast. Cast on the promenade, and Odo says, "Hold on a second. I kept seeing his face when I was in the link. They were trying to hide it from me. Gowron is a changeling, and I said, "See you in September." Just like that's, a, that's <laughs> some, like that old song because that's when we're gonna we got to the conclusion of this, which again we won't come back on this show to talk about season five of ds9 until we move through the other show so it's going to be a while before we reveal the split solution to you so of course you can go look it up if you really want to but isn't it more fun to wait like a year for us to talk about it again absolutely aaron what are your thoughts
4: yeah i again another great episode uh love garrick love odo in this episode uh and, and again i'm watching this with the benefit of, of you know hindsight some 20 some years later and, and and i kept thinking to myself, I. Gotta put my my, my conspiracy hat because I go I, I went deep on this one. I, I was watching Quark and I'm a, er, uh, uh, Garrick. You put your
2: conspiracy hat from Garrick.
1: Yeah. Oh in a yeah, Taylor Emergency. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I'm like I was watching, you know, you know, Odo getting sick and everything, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, those symptoms look very familiar to the, the plague that affects the founders later on, right? So is, is this you might have something. It, yeah, is is this where we see the initial infection of the founders?
1: Y- you are correct. That is yeah, exactly okay. because because when oh, this is revealed in season seven, when Odo is on Earth during mm-hmm. the two parter with the um the Starfleet Federation coup that episode. Yeah, he's at Starfleet Medical, Section 31 gives him the disease. Mm -hmm. yeah okay so So, they really didn't give it to him or maybe they ramped it up somehow um but he always had it um and that so and when he went into the link he gave it to everybody else But, but section yeah yeah so yeah good
4: catch okay so that so that opens up a whole new can of worms for me because i feel like um the whole cold open with garrick and everything i feel like yeah, that a lot of that was set up. I, I, w- I was thinking to myself, is Garrick working with Section Thirty-One at this point? Is he monitoring this? I mean, you the, never you know. know. I don't know. Just 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 the way he was acting. Um, uh, uh, I I was thinking at first I was thinking maybe this is where he gets infected when he was introducing the girl to yeah Ohio,
1: yeah you know,
4: and maybe that's the initial infection, and then his insistence on wanting to go along on the mission, and that whole bit where um. He, there's there's a part where he goes into the defiant and he starts you know taking everything right. apart to steal the ship and then uh you know wharf busts in on him and he's like yeah. oh well, let me guess the one thing that i missed you know like he he right it all felt like distraction to me right it was like mm. i was like you know it's like i wouldn't be surprised if section 31 knowing that he's part of the obsidian order came in and was like all right we want to liaise with you on this on on this project and he his, him wanting to be there was just to monitor the infection
1: and everything Ooh, that's so, that 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 is quite a that that is quite a tin hat foil diary right there. So I yeah, don't I know, know. I know, I, I know. <laughs> that's it's all right. A, it's
4: that's a deep all right. dive, but that's that. Those, that
1: was... yeah.
2: It's, you know, Garrick. You never know what's going on with Garrick. Garrick is working for Garrick. You know. Yeah. Is he working with the Intervening Order? Is he working with Session Thirty-One? Is he a double agent? Is he a triple agent? Quadruple? I, you know, he's, he's all the way
1: around? Yeah. Exactly. The, the, he's just the, a simple tale there's,
4: there's, 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 there's this one Very moment simple. though that I re-
1: that I really love
4: looking at through the lens. Again, I may be way off base, but this is just the, what was enjoy maybe enjoy the episode even more was where he's talking to the founder and he's like, "What about the Cardassians?" And she's like, "They're dead. You're dead. You're all dead." And 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 he's just oh, looking man. at her right, and he just he's he's got this little smirk on his yeah. face. He's like, "Oh really? Oh really? Dead,
1: huh? I got
4: you first, darling." You know it oh,
1: was. My and then the Cardassians join the Dominion but at the end of it look what happens to them. No spoilers for season 7. Mm-hmm. Um but this is the first real DS9 direct cliffhanger we've had. Well, I well you know, maybe that's not true. Season one ended on a cliffhanger or season two ended on a cliffhanger ish introducing the dominion season three was the thing that we talked about but there wasn't like uh, an immediate thread we were going to go right into where this is like oh man the whole klingon war is a dominion you know facade um so yeah this was the beginning of the like yeah the big the big high stakes uh cliffhanger so it's awesome so oh all right well that brings us to the end of season four of ds9 and i know we might not have the whole season uh in front of us but uh let's each pick uh, a favorite and least favorite at least of this bunch and then grab a if you can think of it another episode in this in the season that you really love so jen favorite least favorite of this badge um
2: favorite is this is tough
1: I know um, tougher than yeah. most
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the quickening but I think that's just because I'm a Bashir fangirl um fair fair and I and I like him least favorite is uh the crappy half of the muse
1: yeah <laughs> so it's, it's a least favorite it's like a 50 percent uh that is yeah. fair uh, that is fair really good but like yeah
2: they oh. yeah
1: talent vampire no no joy there all right Aaron Aaron, I think you are still muted, my friend. I hate it when that happens.
4: Sorry, so sorry, sorry about That's that. That's not I hate right. Very good. Uh, so for me, my most favorite one, and and again, I might be biased. Former monkey and all that. Uh, I really enjoyed for the cause. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that that was really good. You know that that long game and that payoff of Eddington and everything. Mad respect for that. Absolutely love that. Uh, least least favorite, uh, you know. Again, it, it it's, it's kind of a, a toss up for me between the shattered mirror and the muse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I think I'm probably going to land on the muse, uh, uh for that one. With, it's an target. Yeah. With, with, with Luxana and her story being the saving grace of that
1: episode. All right. <laughs> Big time well I hate to echo the same but uh, I will echo the same as the Muse being really the the weak spot um I think ds9 really excels in not having a lot of duffer episodes but everybody's do right I mean they can't all be they can all be winners it's not a greatest hits album it's a series right so you're gonna right. you're gonna have peaks and valleys so yeah that's definitely a duffer but uh for picking a a, a favorite, my God. So, I mean, so many choices, but um, I really like For the Cause uh, because I really like the setup to the good versus. Evil versus who's good and who's evil of the whole Maquis struggle uh, that we got, obviously, back in season two when the Maquis were introduced. You know, it's easy to be a saint in paradise. And, you know, here's people just fighting for their lives and then listening to a very self-serving speech in its own way from Eddington, which at the same time, you're like, "Eh, I don't agree, but I get where you're coming from. But you're still an asshole. But I get it um i really appreciated that so um okay real quick do we have another episode in the season that really knocks your socks off jen
2: um rejoined for its uh personal uh stuff for me personal awakening or uh and little green men is my sort of go-to comedy yeah like If I need a lighthearted DS9 episode, little green men is what I'm going to put on
1: because I hear you. I like it. All right. I'm going to bring the list up while Aaron says his. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh,
4: uh, Again, you're going to have to forgive me because I I don't remember the title. uh, No, it's okay. But the, uh, the, the procedural law episode with the Klingons,
1: rules of engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I,
4: I love that episode so much. That's, that's gotta be my favorite one for this
1: season. Awesome. Um, God, as far as best ones, that middle part of the season with uh our man Bashir and then Homefront and Paradise Lost, which we were just referencing with Odo and, and Starfleet Medical, um, that might be a two it might be a two way tie for me because uh that is a um you know, the, the, the latter one is a two-parter. Uh, and then a real weakness would probably, again, be the muse. I hate to say it, but it's just really that bad. It's really that bad that of amongst 26 episodes, it really stands out as the massive stinker. So, oh, awesome. Okay. So that puts a wrap on DS9 Season 4. So the Season 4-ness moves forward into Star Trek Voyager in our next episode. Ooh! Jen's going to be driving the boat, I think, on a lot of this because she is our, she's not only our resident Voyager ex- uh, expert, but season four of Voyager introduces seven of nine, which yes. Jen is our seven of nine, uh, <laughs> in, quite literally in a great photo shoot that we did at C2E2 earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to that. So cool, you guys. Thank you. Uh, Jen, where do people find you out there in the world?
2: I've got a link tree that's at linktree.com slash Jen Watson Art. You will find links to my Instagram, Facebook, uh, Etsy shop, currently on vacation, and my Screen Rant author page where you can find all of my cool stories about Star Trek.
1: Ooh, love Jen's stuff. She's a hell of a writer. Uh, Aaron, where do people find you? Mm.
4: Uh, so you can find uh, my... Uh SFI chapter, USS Rhapsody, USS Rhapsody, SFI chapter on Facebook, on Instagram. And, of course, out of respect to my uh, Ghostbuster crew, Team GBMI of Michigan, we are uh, Michigan GBMI Ghostbusters on Facebook and on
1: YouTube totally awesome and uh, very happily having dished X I can now be found on threads at C3 Carpenter go ahead and spell it out also on Instagram at the same I don't do anything super exciting but I'm always out there trying to have some fun uh, my lovely wife April and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey we are one of the biggest chapters of the international Star Trek fan club which also includes USS Rhapsody a chapter that uh, Aaron found us but we're helping him get off the ground uh, we're based here in West Michigan but we have chapters uh, all over the state of Michigan Michigan and Eastern Canada, I'm very fortunate uh, to run Region 13 uh, for SFI and help new trekkers find trekkers in their area. Please uh, give us a visit to Region 13, sfi.org, or ussgrandpetoskey.com, and we can help you find fellow trekkers where you're at. With that, I'm going to tell you uh, that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.
2: And be the Starfleet you wish to see in the world.
1: (laughs) I still don't have a catchphrase. So we're
4: going to do a Ryan Reynolds special catchphrase.
0: (laughs) This podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network. Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more secret friends unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new discord server or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.